Welcome to the Quantum Alignment Q&A, Humboldt series, where we traverse through an array of healing modalities to educate, empower, and excite our listeners on their path of holistic health and wellness. In sharing various practitioners' experiences and insight, we hope to cultivate a deeper relationship between one's true self, the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. Join naturopath, transpersonal psychologist, and cannabis therapy consultant, Dr. Pepper Hernandez, in the Humboldt Quantum Alignment Series. And now, here is your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Welcome, and thank you so much for taking time to be present with us today. Our intention for this podcast is for each and every one of us to get one step closer to the highest version of our aligned self each and every day, the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional component. I'm so excited to have a very special guest today, Catherine Kundmuller. Catherine has an incredible story that we're going to hear about. She has been working on a little passion project of hers that has actually taken storm. It is the chronically cooking experience, really. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you making time. I know you're in between about 15 things right now. (laughs) Yes, uh, that's usually how I like to operate. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. And uh, thank you. Yeah, we've been in contact trying to connect our schedules for a while. So I'm, I'm really elated to be here with you today. Thank you. I am super excited to have you. I've been fascinated by you for some time. Like you said, we have been in contact, just tuning back and forth. Love what you're doing. Um, I'm a raw food chef myself and have used cannabis in cooking and creating for quite some time, mostly pastries and chocolates and stuff. But you have taken what I have as a passion. You have taken that to the next level. And so can you tell our audience, our listening and viewing audience, what you're doing with cannabis? I started out with the infamous pop brownies from youth and uh, younger years and well, From there, I wanted to incorporate uh, can of butter and oils into other food mediums that were a little healthier, a little more realistic for day to day. It just started to evolve. I was working in a corporate setting and doing a lot of catering and teaching. And really in, in that platform, I had the opportunity to work with made from scratch and being around people in that professional setting that were really passionate about the creation process. So that sparked my interest to share that on a social media platform in a, in a more personal setting. So this became my little pet project on the side. I, you know, some of my earliest memories are being in the kitchen, learning how to make pizza dough and uh, prepping vegetables and going out to the garden when my dad got home from work with the paring knife and the stainless bowl and, you know, picking our vegetables and making jams. It's really evolved into bringing some of those connective qualities into an industry that 
kind of been in the shadows for a large portion of our lives. And just through these past 10, 15 years, I've really been fortunate to participate in the expansion of, of cannabis kind of coming out from behind the leaf. And I wanted to be a part of that process of opening it up and destigmatizing it. It's been a, a big process for me as well on self-care and self-love of really owning and being proud of this part of my passion versus feeling it was something that uh, I should be ashamed of and opening that up to other people so they can see that it really has a lot of positive and healthy qualities, not something, it's not the perception that our grandparents may have had. Using other things besides the pastries has allowed me to open that up as well for people to see that it's, it's so much more. Okay. You were working in the corporate world. You mm -hmm. decided to start making all these yummy goodies for yourself and for others, probably your family and friends. How did yeah. that transition into just now doing that pretty much full time? It's been quite a journey, my, my life and my adventure coming out to California. Um, I did the full on uh, manifest destiny hippie adventure working the festivals and working with musicians and promoting music and then when i landed in california i put all that behind I wanted to focus on my business background so that's where i came into the corporate setting learning the skills about operating a business the the side of catering and preparing for people's orders meeting deadlines doing all of the behind the scenes stuff but uh you know the the business i worked with we were growing and growing and finally had investors where we lost a lot of that family connection. I was just getting burnt out and I got to the point where I felt like I'm hitting the glass ceiling here. I'm too young for me to, to move upwards in this setting. I decided to step outwards and that took a few years of kind of falling on my face a little bit as well. But in this past year, I've really tried to refocus on making sure that I dedicate time into this project on a daily basis, largely for my own self-care, because it's a part of my day that really brings joy. I love the creative and looking to see what I have. And there's been so many steps of working in a garden and growing the plants and then making ice water hash connecting with people that taught me those skills, learning how to make solventless products like uh, rosin extracts and connecting with those communities and learning those skills. And, you know, it's very much the, the life homesteading life cycle where you have all these small parts that come together. The reward there is just, it's been huge. Someday, I'm still navigating what that looks like to hopefully be a full-time career. It's still a little bit on, on the side. And that's, like you mentioned, why I'm juggling all these other projects to, you know, pay my bills and buy my new home and <laughs> all of that. Ultimately, this is an area that I found really brings me joy. And I've had the opportunity to connect with some older people that for example, I've had uh, stage four cancer and through cannabis, they were able to really, along with traditional medicines, um, have a way more comfortable experience and 
it's been really exciting getting to introduce them and educate them on on how to consume cannabis and to cook with it and safely dose so they don't have those cliche experiences where you're like someone called an ambulance you know <laughs> cannabis holistic institute where we teach people to be cannabis holistic practitioners and consultants to help people find the right medicine for them in their dosage, you know, application and so on. And so it would be great to have someone like you come onto that platform to teach and educate as well as I think what you're doing is so valuable and so important because a lot of people, I don't think they know that you can be cooking and consuming cannabis in a very, very safe way. Most of what we dedicated um, our podcast during the quarantine has been on teaching people microdosing, right? <laughs> and so when you look at cannabis as medicine and you're looking at a bigger population of people who maybe even just afraid of smoking, having a little flower, how do you introduce small amounts into their food regimen? Because there's tons of ways of doing it, but how are you doing it? That's question number one. And question number two, I wanna get into some possible recipes or for those people who don't know the terminology um, such as ice water, hash, and solventless products. I, I wanna go into that. But the first one is how do you get someone to be consuming on a microdosing level? That's a great question. And fortunately, there's been a lot of testing that's gone on as cannabis has entered the legal market and that's required testing. And with that, you can have a better idea because the range of a flower, you can have 17% THC. Some of them are extremely potent and you can have 28% up to 30%. So that can cause people to make dramatic errors when they're trying to dose their food. So what I really recommend with somebody that is just introducing, ideally you can purchase a product through the legal market or through a reliable safe source where you know the dosage and that allows you to safely start at a small level for example california they have requirements that you you can't have products that have over a certain amount per dosage in order to discourage people from having those negative experiences and you know you can always eat another square off of your chocolate bar um, if you see that that didn't work for you last time and you've waited enough time for it to kick in. So really starting out with a product where you, you know how much THC is contained in it is really important. And if you are someone that's growing your own plants for medicinal recreational purposes at home and you're just getting into making your own products, which is far more affordable for a lot of people, it's really important to start out with small amounts. I usually encourage people try a quarter of a teaspoon of your butter and, and see how that feels um, because that's usually a safe amount. Don't try it on an important day where you have to go drive all the kids to soccer practice. You know, that's 
not the time to do that. For one, operating operating a vehicle on a new medicine isn't the strongest and it can be very uncomfortable for you. So, you know, having the set and setting and starting in small increments is is really important. And it can vary, you know, if you make one to the next oil or whatever. So it's important every time if you're making at home to do that process of of testing a small amount first to make sure that it's at the level that you're expecting. And and I love microdosing. I always joke with people all the time. It just, you know, adds a little silver lining to the day. It makes things a little less miserable. And sometimes it almost, it's really as little as that for the feeling. It's not this huge euphoria or lethargy or any of the other effects that can occur depending on your body and the specific plant's makeup. So for me, microdosing is is more of a mental, emotional self-care plan too. <laughs> Thank you for all of that because I think it's really important um, that we, we get the right dosage, especially if we're doing something like you're doing and, and you're cooking with cannabis and, and, you're, and, and you're helping others you know, learn to cook with cannabis. I mean, that's what you do. Do you at this point find the right cultivars or the right strains for yeah. the people or the clientele that you work with? And, and if you do, how do you go about doing that? That's a great question. Um, I, I'm really thankful for my network and my community because the farmers I know are all very passionate about growing organically. So I know that the, the medicine I'm getting is clean and safe. That's also why it's important, I think, if you're growing at home to find a reliable source to acquire your seeds or your, you know, maybe you get a, a starter clone from your dispensary and then you raise your baby. Maybe it's connecting straight to to purchasing the oils or butters as the market's growing depending where you're at you can even purchase those directly from a dispensary i'm finding i was interviewed earlier this week and i'm finding that more and more states are becoming legal actually one in three americans now live in a state where they have access to medicine and so what i'm seeing going coming from humboldt back here to Oklahoma is that more people are getting into growing their medicine. And then from there, they're making their own edibles, their own tinctures, whatever their family medicine is. It's, it's more of the folk, you know, they're, they're going more to folk medicine, which is great, instead of the going in dispensaries to purchase. I mean, that's just what I'm seeing. And as we have more and more states that are fully legal, not just recognized cannabis medicinal or recreational, but fully adult legal cannabis, which has happened this week, what we're gonna find is more people are gonna be interested in growing their particular cultivars or strains for their body ailments. And this is something I've talked about for more than five years now, because that's how I got into cannabis, was because of my discomfort and dis-ease with seizures and, and cancer scare. The reason why I was kind of formulating that is because I see more and more people growing their own cannabis, which I think you hit on great points and a great topic of organic, 
sustainable, the right farmers. I mean, from the very seed to soul, it needs to be clean. It's just like, where do we go from there? Like, where is that missing link? We need people like you writing books and educating people on what they need to be consuming and how. Besides getting off too off topic, because you and I could chat for hours on our own, which we probably will, Katie. But before um, our break, I wanted to ask you, how did you get into cannabis and why cannabis medicine? Like, why is this your plant of choice? I actually got into cannabis rather young compared to some people. It was partly in seeking for some sort of, I guess, some sorts of coping mechanisms through, you know, the turmoils of teens. And I also have a really strong sense of curiosity. And from what I had understood, I really felt drawn to it because it's such it's it's a natural plant it's not you know i wasn't seeking coping mechanisms with something that would be self-destructive and you know the town i grew up in alcohol like many small towns has such damaging effects for community i've i'd had several friends that that lost siblings and we lost loved loved ones from alcohol-related accidents. So it wasn't as an appealing of an outlet, whereas cannabis to me felt like as a girl growing up on a dead-end dirt road on a mountainside, you know, this is Mother Nature's plant medicine. And I don't know, I, I felt really drawn to it. And I felt from a young age that it was really misunderstood and a strong urge to advocate for it. Um, So throughout my life, that's really drawn me to other people that are aligned with that. And like I said, so many people are beginning to internalize this into their households. Um, And I, I value being a resource to other people so they can safely navigate that process connecting with farmers, has educational processors, post-harvest production. So it's really exciting getting to connect with those resources and trying to incorporate it into my teachings with the cooking side of it. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. It's so important um, for the, the education, even the short little videos on social media channels and these bite-sized information nuggets that people get uh, collectively, they, they grow into something that's really valuable for people to not be overwhelmed in their introduction to the plant and make it a more palatable learning process for people. So well said. Thank you so much, Katie. I appreciate everything that you're doing. And we're going to look forward to a book, hopefully, or some classes from you or something really soon. Um, Well, it happens to be that time in our podcast where we're going to take a short little break to give a shout out to a local aligned business that's doing an absolutely fabulous job. While we do that, we're going to let Katie get to her medicine and we'll be right back. (laughs)
Ever dream of becoming a cannabis therapy consultant or learning more on how cannabis heals? For a deeper understanding of your own body and mind connection using sacred medicine, take time to dive into classes anytime, anywhere with a new online program. For more information, connect on drpepperhernandez.com. This is a 10-month program, one class a month. The Cannabis Holistic Institute provides the most potent teachers Humboldt County has to offer. Students have access to Google Classrooms for downloadable handouts, charts, PowerPoint presentations, and more. Also a live streaming on Facebook, bonus pop-up classes, gifted info, and edited videos available on YouTube. Classes from History of Cannabis, The Biology of Cannabis, Specific Strains and Effects, Cannabis Healing Properties, Juicing, Edibles, and Tinctures, Cultivation and Production, Cannabis Medicine Making, Women in Cannabis Conference, Legalities and Legislations, The Cannabis Business, and more. everyone. Thank you so much for returning. Let me reintroduce you to Chronically Cooking, Catherine. She is going to give us... Hi, Catherine. <laughs> still here. <laughs> She's still here. She is going to give us a few recipes, some ideas, self-care. But before that, I really want to pick your brain about something, Katie. Ice water hash tell us what that is and is that your main choice and when you're making foods for yourself and others do you choose to use that hash in itself some people aren't even familiar with what hash is and i recently had a client that was asking me the other day what okay back it up you rolled a joint with hash and flour what's what's hash so hash is a concentrated form from the flowers you know you see all the crystals on the buds and it's sticky on your fingers all of that concentrated is where you're getting where the idea of hash various different ways to get it um very traditional afghan hash there's um all these new advancements with making distillates chemical extractions so the ice water hash is sort of had a revival and it's basically a solventless process so solvent versus solventless is you're using some other chemical for example an alcohol or something that's extracting the thc and separating it from the flower and the plant so ice water hash is a really clean process it can be laborious, so it's a, a labor of love, but it's it's very clean. There's no chemicals that makes it really accessible. Uh, and that's why I started with that and I've pretty much just stuck with using that method. After you, you can, you can find lots of videos even on YouTube. There's uh, the Bubble Man is a, a famous um, creator of 
materials. He makes the classic bubble bags that people use. And it has all these different layers of um, screens. So through that, it collects different forms of the cannabinoids. And it's, it's fascinating. You can really dig into learning about this process and what each screen will collect and the medicinal properties of those parts of the plant that come out from the different microns. Um, I like to use that in my solventless um, rosin, which I had mentioned, and, and that might be a term hopefully I at least briefly introduced people to. That's another reason why I think it's so important to use the organic product from the beginning is because I don't use any solvent lists. You really want that clean in, clean out medicine. I, I agree with you on being clean always. You yeah. did mention hash and you said something about resin, but can we talk a little bit about what the difference between hash, resin, and rosin is? Because I have found live rosin and ice water hash to be my absolute go-to when I'm talking about purity and clean products. And I think that there is a lot of misinformation out there about what alcohol extraction or even butane extraction or CO2 extraction is. So without, you know, getting too far out there for our audience, do you mind going into just maybe those few for us? Because if we're going to be putting it in edibles, you're the person to talk to. Yeah, so hash generally is, the perception of hash is it's like the crumbly or um, depending, some people it's more of a malleable, they'll make balls um, and, and or it'll get packed into bricks. Um, resin and rosin, um, see, it's, it's understandable why people get confused. The, the terms interlay. It's like when you're saying um, a pit bull versus a dog, you know, these, uh, some, <laughs> rosin is a form of hash. Um, so, that's why it can be a little confusing to people. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of the, it, it's really hard to summarize. Maybe just in a conversational form, um, I'll just add this in from what I understand. Um, hash is kind of like when you're trimming weed and you get, you have quite a bit of also what is called resin on your fingers. And that's what we get that stickiness. And that's why when you said the, kind of like gooey balls, that's what resin or hash is. But that's right. pure THC and cannabinoids. It's pure plant matter. It just happens to be a little bit stickier than flowers. So there are flowers that are grown specifically for higher content of resin, which would be like the Kush varieties from what I understand and what I've been growing. Right. And then the rosin, the um, flash frozen rosin is the pressed of all of that material. It's pressed. And so you get this live rosin. So rosin is different than the resin in that way that it's just a quite a bit and it's mechanically pressed. But if it's flash frozen and it, <laughs> was that a fly? 
I, I, yeah, I have something. I, I think it was so a was hair. I either a fly or you were giving me an air five. I couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, but, but I really have found that I just gravitate towards telling more people about the live rosin and the ice water hash. So yeah. we can find out more about visuals of ice water hash and live rosin. Live rosin is pressed. And from yes. what you're saying, the ice water hash is separated out. But what does the ice water have to do with the hash process for people who want to know? Okay, so that's a great point that I did leave out that rosin is using for the extraction heat and pressure, whereas ice water hash is using the agitation and the cold to extract it from the plant. Now, what I love is when you're taking that, the, the live rosin that you said is so valuable, it's you're, you're harvesting the plant and you know, some people are so timely with this, they'll be harvesting it into coolers to control the temperature and the degradation of the, the material. Um, and so if you immediately use that live plant and you extract immediately through the ice water hash or other cold extraction methods that are out there, um, you're kind of, you're freezing and you're getting the best nutrients. And, and a way to relate it to people with the cooking is if you grow your plant out in the garden and you pull your carrot out of the ground, it has all those amazing nutrients that are so good for your body. Now, as it gets packaged and sits in a box and ships around and sits on the store shelf and then to your fridge, you're losing all of those chemicals are converting and degrading and you're you're losing medicine that's why the live rosin is so exceptional at helping people for not just the recreational purposes but for the medicinal healing thank you so much for sharing that because that is something very audio tangible that someone can understand and yeah. i appreciate that because that's right on because if we're going to educate people and tell people to be using this medicine in their food for, you know, their ailments or discomfort or maybe their slight microdosing euphoric state, whatever yeah. it be, we want them to be using the cleanest, best version possible that they can find, um, if not, if they can create, right? So thank you for that. And I wanted to ask you one thing we're, we're kind of getting short on time but i could talk to you forever yes. i do have um a question about recipes and i'm wondering what your favorite recipe is that you could share with us because this whole show is about becoming more quantumly aligned becoming the best best version of ourselves mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and why don't you share with us a recipe that can do that? Oh, okay. So one of my first recipes I started making with Chronically Cooking beyond once moving past the brownies is uh, pesto. I just love pesto to begin with. And, you know, green and green has a plant element and flavor to begin with. It's an herbaceous product. So incorporating the cannabis 
was great. Um, and it's super easy. People can make it at home. It's really just two cups of basil, a half a cup of Parmesan, a half a cup of pine nuts, but there's so many different variations with pesto these days. You can use walnuts, almonds, anything that you have around affordable and like. Um, and then, you know, you're blending all of those, a couple cloves of garlic, and then you incorporate olive oil into there. And what I like to do is I do, it's about a half a cup total of olive oil. So depending on my math I've done out of what my uh, medicine is, um, I generally will figure also, okay, how am I gonna use this pesto? Am I gonna use the whole jar in a sauce or is it something I'm gonna put a little bit in with my uh, ranch for dipping or a little bit on my crust of my pizza or some on my toast? Um, I'll do a little bit of that math on how much and I'll blend my medicated olive oil in with regular to make that half cup and you can pop it in your freezer. You can make a bunch of batches and uh, store them and just pull one out, put it in your fridge whenever you wanna use it. Uh, this year, I just started growing green tomatillos and that's my new favorite recipe is salsa verde. Um, so I'll have to connect with you and send you a jar. It's, yeah, it's the best. <laughs> I will receive that with grace and happiness. Thank you uh, so welcome. much. Yeah. So much. I have a couple quick questions before we go. We'll wrap it up. I know you're busy and I appreciate you taking the time today, but I do want to get a couple little quick things in. Self-care, yeah. that's what the whole podcast is about. Do you suggest that anyone can try cannabis cooking or are there certain groups of people that you would suggest more than others um well i i mean i'm a little biased because i'm so comfortable in the kitchen and so i have to remind myself of that roommate in college that i had to teach how to boil and make spaghetti but even someone that's just learning how to cook for themselves, I think there's definitely opportunity. I think that's part of what makes it so great. The, the really important factor is your, your own personal mindset and how it aligns with you and your goals. So if it's something that you feel uncomfortable about and unsafe, then it's not going to be as good an experience. You're not going to have the best outcome. So just being patient and moderate um, and setting yourself up for success with uh, the space and time to experience the effects. Uh, I think there's all sorts of types of people that can benefit. I've actually really enjoyed teaching my mom how to uh, make butter and she taught me how to make her jams so it's been a great interplay and if you have someone in your life that you can connect with it's a great opportunity for for you to share in that experience whether it's on a zoom cooking session or in person with someone in your family in your household oh i love it thank you so much i before we let you go i want you to share with our audience where they can find you 
how do people research you? I know that you have an amazing Instagram. Where else can they find you or where can they reach out if they want more information? Primarily on Instagram. I am on Facebook as well with Chronically Cooking. Uh, you can reach out to me directly on my email, which is chronicallycooking at gmail.com. And I make sure to connect with people. I've had requests for um, events and doing catering or sponsoring things through that outlet, which have been really fun. Um, and uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll find me there and I can answer your questions. Thank you so much, Katie. I appreciate you. You are just the very best for the listening audience. Thank you for taking time today to make sure that you're getting yourself one step closer to the highest self possible, the best mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. For now, I'm your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez, and let's make this your very best life ever.